0: Welcome to a Word in Season with Doug Stringer and friends. We share good news and godly wisdom to empower you to be salt and light in every season of life. God is urgently calling us to pray for Israel. Millions of believers around the globe are joining the Isaiah 62 fast to pray one hour a day for 21 days for Israel. In this prophetic message, Mike Bickle shares how many sources believe that Israel is on the verge of a civil war and how God led him and his team into this prayer effort. Join Mike and Doug as they talk about the historic time. Hear how you can join millions of believers as we pray for Israel. After the episode, consider leaving a review and follow us on your favorite streaming service where you can also find our show notes. If you've gleaned anything from this podcast, consider paying it forward with a gift at somebodycares.org. Now let's join our host, Doug Stringer. Uh,
1: This is a historic time. I don't believe that Mike Bickle needs an introduction. We have already seen and heard so much about Isaiah 62. I'm getting messages from so many friends that are already participating But I think it's important for us to hear directly from Mike. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for being with us today. And I'm really happy because it just indicates the hunger and
2: the passion that so many Gentile believers, the Lord has stirred it up in the earth sovereignly. And so we're stepping into a such a time as this hour of history. We, We really are. First, I want to say, Doug, that I have known you and watched your ministry for many years, and I so appreciate your consistency. I mean, you stay locked into Jesus, helping people, collaborating, getting people doing it together in teams, meeting real needs, and doing it with humility and class. And I just, just, when I hear your name, it makes me smile. So thank you for 40, 50 years, maybe 80 years of faithfulness. I don't know. You're getting up there.
1: I'm telling you. (laughs) Well, thank you. That means a lot, Mike, Is because you know, obviously you've been a pioneer that we've all been able to, to follow. Uh, many, many movements around the world have, have gleaned from what not just, I mean, even long before IHOP Kansas City, just following all that you've been able to do, all the Kansas City Fellowship, so many oh, people in oh, my, my life that have obviously uh, been impacting in your life as well, and you've impacted theirs. So thank you. I'm not trying to make a plug, but I was just looking back over a a book I put out again last year was forwarded by Jack Hayford, and you did an incredible endorsement. I'm just very humbled by the words you shared. It's the book Mending the Net. So thank you so much. No, that.
2: it's a no, no, hold that up just one more moment. That is a significant book. I mean, give a minute
1: on it, and then we'll get right into this uh, 21 day prayer initiative. Give a minute. Come on. Well, I think you said it the best. So let me just quote you on this. You said, when you think of the decades of ministry that somebody cares and And Doug has been a part of that. You see the consistency of number one, intimacy with Jesus, justice in society, number two, three, compassion for people through good works, four, continual prayer, five, evangelism and revival, six, unity with honor of the body of Christ, and seven, revival of character and leadership and integrity with humility and personal character. And I think at the end of the day, we're all longing and hungry for revival. But for it to be sustainable, there are commonalities of sustainable personal and corporate revival, and we see there are hindrances of great moves of God as well. So thank you for leading the way and and for encouraging us along the way as well. I I think you and I were actually on a bus going to a, a prison with Governor Jindal yes. years ago in two thousand. Bobby Jindal, yes, we we were yes, and we were talking about Isaiah chapter one, and here we are talking about you know Isaiah sixty two now, but Isaiah one is the point of first reference for all the book of Isaiah. And the Lord says, all the raising of your hands, I don't regard all your conferences and get togethers, et cetera, and sacrifices, because we forgot some key issues. And that was the area of justice, the area of the orphan and the widow, the area of of repentance and making sure that our hearts were right before God. And and I think that is really exemplified, Through the intercession that takes place, and I've been there many times to IHOP in Kansas City, it is exemplified through this humility and this spiritual hunger and thirst for the presence of God to serve a holy, holy, holy God. In that place, we come out of his holy presence undivided, but also with a purpose in intercession and prayer that it becomes real. It's not just something we do in the closet, but it becomes something that becomes very real, and tangible to the culture around us. And I thank you again for that. But let's get right into... Well, hey, I was... well said, well said. I love it.
2: Okay, I'm going to cover five uh, points. And each one of them, I'll just take a couple moments on, a few minutes on each one of them. Number one, what is this prayer initiative? What's the simple One, two, three. The, the second thing, how you can participate in it. The third thing, why Isaiah 62 The fourth thing, why this is so critical right now in May, 2023. And then the fifth thing, if we get time and I don't always get time to this, how did God establish this fast and, and what was kind of the backstory? I could give a few moments on that at the end if if we have time for that, I'll go to point number one, the simple call. It's to call millions of believers to pray one hour a day for 21 days to pray for Israel. Let me say it again. To call believers to pray one hour a day for 21 days for Israel, for Jerusalem, Israel. And when I mean Israel, God's the biblical narrative of what God says about Israel. So that's the simple reality. It's just, it's a collaboration of thousands of ministries that are doing this together. And many are having Zoom calls. I mean, I told you I've had about 50, but many other guys have had Zoom calls. And so it's not an IHOP thing. It's not a Mike Bickle thing. It's far bigger than any one. We're one of several thousand ministries that are backing this up. So I just wanted to say that real clear on the front end. There's about, uh, we're about eight weeks into this. We started on uh, the the original uh, first announcement was May, March 7th. So eight weeks ago, we're well over 5 million Gentile believers who have set their heart to pray one hour a day for 21 days in the month of May for Israel. And I mean, I can't imagine this many responded, but it's really, it's actually, I think it's far beyond that. I don't know how far, I don't care about the numbers. We were counting up to a million. We hit the million mark about April 1st, about a month ago. And after that, I said, the point of even saying a million is to get people's attention that it's a God thing bigger than any of us, but we're way past that. So I don't know the number. I don't even care about the number. The Lord knows the number, but it's the reason we want to know a little bit of a scope, because it gives us this sense, Some the Lord's calling many of us across the globe, and that's that feels like, wow, okay, that's more important if he's saying it to all these different people. The main thing kind of in my announcement, I mean, in in my discussion here, is to talk about the Isaiah62fast.com. It's a website. I'm going to say it again, Isaiah62fast.com. It's not an IHOP website. It's a website that is dedicated only to this prayer initiative. And what it really is, the main purpose is it is a directory, like a thousand ministries that put their website on there so that people in their region and their area can find them to engage with them physically, come to their meetings or through their social media. Because we want this conversation to just go all around the world and the more epicenters, we're calling them hubs, hubs of activity, the more stronger the conversation is. And so at first, again, IHOPs called this just for our staff, and we were, it was just our little team here in Kansas City. And we were one hub, one group, our website, and then at about the 10-day mark, it was like 300,000 people were responding. And I said, wait a second, Let's start a new website that nobody is going to use. That's only going to be a holding pattern to get information. So people all over the world, when they see this website, they can locate those ministries. So if the, the requirement we have for you to be a hub or a hub of activity, you have to commit to pray one hour a day for 21 days. Any ministry, I mean, it could be a house church. It could be a dorm Bible study, an office Bible study, a mega church. It doesn't matter. If you will uh, do this, uh, pray with two or three or more for one hour a day, for 21 days, you can be that hub and you can put your information and then you can put all your ministry resources on your link as much as you want, because we want people to find more people and engage with them. That's the real point of this. And so if you can, if you commit to a one hour a day, two to three people in person or virtually, because some people, many of them. They got their phone in their car and there's three or four other people in a car with a phone and they're doing it that way. Fine. This prayer still works. You don't have to be in the same room. And so uh, we've uh, right now, this is mind boggling to me, but we have this information on this Isaiah 62 fast in 100 languages right now. And so we want people all around the world to engage with people in their own language. And so it's, it's at that level and so that's what I'm urging you. If you've got a home Bible study or anything, and you want to be a hub of activity, and you're making that commitment, that's what this website is about. And no one gets to use it for ministry promotion. I mean, your link, you can do anything, but you only get a link on it. People have to hit your link, but we have a search bar so they can find out what nation, what city that's near them. And millions of people are checking out this website. So I'm, I'm just trusting millions of people are going to meet new people. And the conversation about the biblical narrative of Israel is going to increase and
1: increase and increase and increase. And that's the point of that website. Well, Mike, let's pause for a second, because you made some great points here that I think we need to address. Number one, for some of our friends that are not necessarily Christians, but they have a heart for Israel, especially some of our friends that are involved in the Holocaust remembrance or with the Consul General's Office of Israel and other friends uh, why is Isaiah 62 something that you was put on your heart, and now you've mobilized millions of people to fast and pray for 21 days will culminate on Pentecost for us as Christians. Uh, what specifically has caused you to share this, to specifically prophetically pray for Israel out of Isaiah 62?
2: Okay, well, Isaiah 62, many of you, that, because you're intercessors, Meaning, that doesn't mean you pray all day every day, but prayer is a a regular part of of your life with God. That's what I mean by you're an intercessor. But those of you that are intercessors probably know this, that Isaiah 62 is the clearest biblical description of the glory of God coming on Jerusalem of any chapter in the Bible. It's 12 verses, line upon line, glory of God coming to Jerusalem. No chapter says it more clearly or with more detail than Isaiah 62. And and I've known that for some time. And so I have this idea that about 90% of the body of Christ, you know, the billion or two, whatever the number is, 90% are not aware of Isaiah 62 because they love Jesus. They love revival. They love the great commission, but they don't really think much about Israel. I understand that. I was like that for some years. I totally get that. And Isaiah 62 is not really on the mind or in the conversation of, I'm guessing, about 90% of the global body of Christ. But I believe at the end of this May, there's gonna be millions looking at that chapter for the first time in a serious way. And it's gonna spark new songs, new conversations, new social media dialogue, new sermons, new blogs. I think that it's gonna surprise the body of Christ how much they're gonna love that chapter. So we, we said Isaiah 62 because we wanted people to go, why Isaiah 62? Well, I'm glad you asked. Go read it. Check it out. See what you think. And the, you know, the 50 Zoom calls I've had or nearly whatever the real number is, uh, many of them were not aware of Isaiah 62 because it's mostly I'm talking to Gentile leaders. And they're going, okay, we'll check that out. And, and I said, well, you got a good surprise coming. You really going to like it, actually. Maybe at a first read, they won't get it, but if they stay
1: with it just a little bit, they'll get it. It's interesting because many Gentile believers or Christians, when we read through that, we don't understand the fullness. We are the beneficiaries directly because it says in verse four that the land shall no longer be desolate or termed desolate or forsaken. And it says, speaking to Israel, saying, You shall be Hephzibah, or called my delight, is in her and your land shall be married, or Beulah. And so we become the beneficiaries or those grafted in because of praying for the blessing of Isaiah 62, correct? Absolutely. One thing that many Gentile believers don't
2: know, uh, again, who love the Great Commission, they don't know the biblical declaration of the favor of God on Jerusalem, how that affects the completion of the Great Commission. They don't know the connection of the two. And my point today is not to give a teaching. And that website doesn't give teaching, doesn't have any eschatological positions. It's just a directory of ministries. They can teach on their link. If people hit their link, you teach anything you want. But uh, so I'm, I'm it's like, people said, how does that all work? I go, I don't want to do that right now. I just want you to jump into the prayer. There's hundreds of of these links, these hubs that have really good teaching about Israel. Once you get interested, you'll have more than you'll ever have time to devour if you hit some of these links. And so, but the point I'm making is most Gentiles are unaware of the connection of God's favor on Jerusalem and the fulfillment of the Great Commission and the gospel preached to every nation in the end time harvest. They're deeply connected to each other. And they go, okay, I'm not convinced yet, but if that's true, I'm really interested I go, just give it a little bit of time. I think I'm pretty sure you'll be convinced. Isaiah 62, verse 6 and 7. I'm going to make one or two little points here. I'm going to paraphrase it. Isaiah 62, 6. God is prophetically promising. He's declaring sovereignly, I'm going to stir up intercessors for Jerusalem. Well, that's a pretty big promise, really. I will establish intercessors for Jerusalem. It's the only city in the Bible I know where God sovereignly promised an end time promise to raise up intercessors for a city. Okay, you read the next verse, verse seven. He says that these prayer warriors—that's not the language, but that's what it means—they're not going to stop praying until Jerusalem is a praise in the earth. In the Old Testament, Jerusalem becoming a praise of the earth is crystal clear. That happens when the Messiah comes back when Jesus returns. So what Isaiah is prophesying, God's going to stir up intercessors that will be alive in the generation that Jesus returns. That's when Jerusalem becomes a praise on the earth. That's code for the second coming of Christ. So this promise, this uh, prophetic declaration is not something that's been fulfilled for 2000 years. Sure, the Lord could use that verse over the years. It's talking about the literal intercessors alive in the generation when he comes, because they're still praying when he comes back. So that's a eschatological promise for a certain time frame in history. And I've talked to a bunch of my friends in Israel and a bunch of prayer, uh, you know, prayer movement historians. There's not a lot of them, but a few of those guys. And I said, "Do you know any time in history?" there were 10,000 Gentiles prayed for Israel for 10 straight days. And most, I mean, everyone said, no, no, there's no record of that. We've never heard of that. So if never in history that any of us are aware of were 10,000 Gentiles prayed for 10 straight days for Israel, what does it mean if 5 million are suddenly now praying an hour a day, the same time in 21 days? And they said that would be once Ever in history, I go, I believe it's a beginning of an escalation of the Isaiah 62, verse six, sovereign end time promise. It's a beginning of an escalation of that promise across the earth. They go, Yeah, yeah, well, I guess it would really have to be. It's never happened before. So that's a remarkable reality that God has promised that. Now, this is my opinion. This isn't the Isaiah 62 eschatology because there is no eschatology. We got Post-trib, pre-trib, no trib. This is a call to prayer. This is not a place for for eschatology to be declared there. But my personal opinion, I believe that there are people alive today on the earth that will see the second coming with their eyes. It may be the two-year-olds or the 20-year-olds. I don't know. I don't know that I will. I'm 67, but I believe my grandchildren will. That's just a that's a conviction, that's not a prophecy. But if that's true then that means we are in that early days of that generation. That means Isaiah 62 is going to explode. Verse six, this is a set time in history where God is setting Gentile intercessors on the wall of intercession for the city of Jerusalem all around the world. And that's remarkable significance of that. Now let's think of the implications of this. Uh, First, This, I'm using the number 5 million. Again, we quit counting at the 1 million, but I've talked to so many ministries that are over millions since then. And they're all saying, not all, that's exaggerated. The vast majority are saying we're all in. So the number's way above a million. I'm saying 5 million, but I haven't counted. Some people said, can we register with you? I go, no, I don't individuals register with us, register with God. No, you and God do it. I just want ministries so we can make them known to people. So the ministries are not registering with us. They're just putting their info so other people can find them in their area. So the conversation grows faster. That's the, that's the only reason for, for this Isaiah 62 website. But anyway, let's take the 5 million and let's say 5 million an hour a day. Probably I'm guessing, I don't know, another 5 million. Maybe we'll pray once a week out of curiosity. They're going, you know what? All these people are doing this. I'll do it a little bit. I'm just making up. So that's 10 million that are are leaning into this. All of those 10 million people, they have three or four friends for sure. So a year from today, there'll be 30 or 40 million believers not committed, but leaning into the conversation for the first time in their life, the biblical narrative of Israel. And what I have found is that when people lean into that conversation, and it is not hard to convince them. Now, this I'm going to talk about IHOP for like 30 seconds here, because this is not an IHOP story. That's not the point. But we uh, started IHOP 24 years ago, and we go 24 hours a day with worship teams and uh, prayer led by worship teams. And we took the idea from YWAM. Everybody raises their own support. And so we've got about 600 uh, staff members. It's their full-time job. And they basically commit to serve. It's their full occupation, 50 hours a week. So half the time they're in the prayer room, the ha- other half the time they're in service or ministry, whatever, that kind of thing. But in the 24 years, it's our 24-year anniversary, literally this week, Sunday's our 24-year anniversary that we've been going on this. In that 24 years, we've had a nearly 25,000 people that have been here on a full-time basis, maybe two or three years only, then they move on. For years, we had a 1,000 staff members for maybe 10 or 12 years, a thousand full-time workers here. And so they stay a couple of years, then they go out to the nations. Why do I want to tell you that? Here's why. Because it's really encouraging. Of those near 25,000 people, 90% of them came here over the 24 years, at different years, you know, and they said, it's the most repeated conversation I've heard at IHA. My church didn't do Israel. I've heard that so many thousands of times. And I said, Okay. Now, they didn't do Israel, not because their church was against it, because the churches were just silent. They were just silent. They were not against. They were silent. And and I've wondered, why were these churches so silent? And here's my theory. I could be wrong. I'm wrong on lots of things. So this wouldn't be the first time, but I'm guessing in the last 40 years, 40 years, there's 500 or 1,000 seminary professors that have taught replacement theology. I have no idea what the number is. I just made that number up. But anyway, let's say 500 or 1,000. In seminaries, They're PhDs, they're real smart, and they've taught hundreds of thousands of men and women that have been pastors over the last 40 years at different times. Those pastors heard their seminary professor, brilliant, intelligent, Greek, Hebrew history. And so they left seminary, not convinced that Israel had no purpose, but intimidated, going, you know what? I'm not smart enough to really tear this apart. So they're not against Israel. They're just silent. And 20 years go by and they've never talked on it one time. So their people kind of assume my church is in Israel, but it's because of silence. It's not because of conviction. Here's my point. These near 25,000 people, when they come in one hour, you can show them 20 verses and they go, I never knew those verses were in the Bible. Wait a second. I mean, there's a hundred passages, but pick 20 of them. Literally in an hour, they go, my goodness. Yeah, I didn't know that. Now, a year from today, 20, 30, 40 million people casually in conversation about Israel because of this May, friends of friends talking about it. They want to just like, they go peek at the website because it will still be up and they'll go, why did millions of people do this? This is kind of weird they'll start talking. And I tell you, it's really easy to convince somebody because they don't have a conviction against it. They just have no knowledge of it. And and it it goes that quick. I think the Lord is about to deal a death blow to the Goliath of replacement theology and the global conversation of the body of Christ. I really believe that. I don't believe it will all be done in May or one year from now. But I believe we're in, a, in, a, in an escalation moment. We're in a catalytic moment where these 5 million, yay, another 5 that pay attention a little bit, grows to 20, 30, 40 million that are now at least talking about it. I think those millions are going to, it may take them a while, but they'll see those passages and go, wait a second. Then because they love Jesus, they'll start praying for Israel because they go, well, I love Jesus. It's in the Bible. Why not? I believe that that replacement theology, give it five or 10 years, that's not a prophecy. I believe God is dealing a death blow to this doctrine that there is no purpose for Israel, and it's going to really diminish in the global conversation in the next five or 10 years. I really believe that, and I believe that that this this May is really a catalytic
1: moment of that, and that's part of God's purpose. On that point... I think this is like you said, this is a very critical juncture because just recently, I was asked by Charisma magazine to they asked R T. Kendall, Michael Brown, Mario Murillo, and others myself to respond to a new survey that shows that majority of people profess to be born again believe that Jesus lived a sinful life. So these same teachers of liberal theology and replacement theology, these same professors, that whole thing has opened up a segue into this monster, this uh, Frankenstein that has opened up so many other things and unraveling anything that is orthodox or that is biblical. And so I think by focusing on Scripture, Isaiah 62, gets us back into Scripture. It's undeniable. And praying that the Holy Spirit will give revelation to what they're reading and praying for. Absolutely. And again, there's well over 100 passages but when
2: we show our, the new people here, 20 of them, one hour, they go, my goodness, I never heard any of these verses. I mean, that 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 fog, that dullness, it breaks off of their understanding pretty quick, actually, because they love Jesus and they love the Bible. They just don't have the under, they just never saw those verses. So, so I'm really future,
1: encouraged at the hour we're living in. So for some of them, it's not that, like you said, they're silent because it's convenient for them because they don't want to be in confrontation to truths, but we have, truth is confrontational. We it sure speak the truth, love season with grace, but it need to speak the truth nonetheless. I think we're living in a place where we have to make decisions that we fear God more than we fear man, and that we want to get back into scripture. I remember something that Derek Prince wrote years ago from his booklet, Our Debt to Israel. He goes through all these scriptures and all these things of why it's important for us to pray for Israel and have an understanding of the knowledge of truth is because we are the beneficiaries to pray Isaiah 62. We're the beneficiaries. And if if we are cutting off our foundations, we have no future if we don't respect and honor the foundations of which we're called to build on. That is so right. I just for a moment stop
2: and say, Lord, thank you for Derek Prince. We're talking about the 1960s, 70s, and 80s. Nobody was talking about Israel. Well, that's not exactly true. Nobody. It was such a small number, and he was like uh, this strange teaching. I remember reading his books in the 70s. Actually, I rejected him. I was a replacement theology guy. I'm embarrassed, but I was. And I thought this guy, whatever. I look at it now, 40 years later. I go, that guy was a voice in the wilderness crying out because scores of guys our age in their 60s or 70s, we got our start from Derek Prince. And so, Lord, thank you for Derek Prince. <laughs> really, thank you. I just wish I would have paid attention right away instead of wasting a few years, but enough of that. So, what's so critical about this May 2023 is that I, I believe it's very plausible, very reasonable. I'm going to say a big statement, but I'm quoting other people, so I want to make sure you know that, that Israel will probably be in the greatest crisis of their 75 years as a nation in this May, like this month. And let me say that again. They became a nation 75 years ago, 1948. You all know that. This May will is plausibly probably the greatest crisis of their 75 years. Now, why do I say that? Let's go back in March, three months, two months ago. I'm talking to leaders in Israel, and we're talking about praying for Israel. And these guys have been there for years, and they're smart guys. And they go, do you realize Israel's about to have a civil war, probably in May or June? This is March. I go, a what? They said a civil war. I go, you mean figuratively? They go, no, an actual civil war. I go, no way. That's not impossible. Jew against Jew in a war? They go, Yes. I couldn't believe that. So I checked a few other smart guys over there. I know, got a lot of friends over in Israel. They go, oh, yeah. So then I went on YouTube, and I thought, could this really be true? So I looked on YouTube, about 20 different five or 10 minutes, you know, segments. And you know, Doug, if I've done 25-minute segments on this, I am now an expert on the politics of Israel. I just want you to know that. I, <laughs> I'm not an expert, but anyway. <laughs> so... You get the, the far right conservative, the far left liberal point of view. You take the secular atheistic or the spiritual, whether it's rabbis or messianic uh, leaders, all four of those positions, many of them are saying probably a civil war. I said, Where's my head been? I mean, I prayed for Israel, I didn't know that. Then, so, and, and, and now it's all over the internet. They're thinking it's going, it's going it could be stopped. I mean, now Netanyahu is using the language like this doesn't have to be a civil war. I mean, that word civil war is in the mouth of of Netanyahu and the top guys. I go, really? It's that serious. And they're saying it's probably the tipping point is May. Maybe it will be averted. I don't know. I hope so. Then for the first time in history, Iran has nuclear weapons functioning in May of this year. Some authorities say no not may won't, they won't have them till June may or june whatever are you kidding me and 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 Iran they have not threatened Israel to hurt them they've promised we will annihilate you when we get that nuclear weapon so right now a civil war is on the brink internal and right now Iran the prince of Persia, because, you know, ancient Persia is Iran today. The Daniel 10, ancient Persia, the principality of Iran, is back roaring against Israel. Those two things are coming to a head in May, and there's about five other issues. I don't want to go into that, but I go, wait a second. What a remarkable reality that so many millions of Gentiles are in this Daniel 10 position, because, you know, in Daniel 10— Daniel did the 21-day fast, and then uh, the angel was breaking through to bring God's blessing to the Jewish people. The principality of Persia, which is Iran today, same nation, withheld the angel. Daniel prayed 21 days, and and then Michael comes and removes that demonic principality, delivers Israel from that attack, blah, 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 blah. It goes on and on. It's like, we're at a Daniel 10 moment again. It's the I mean Persia's only been a world power two times in history around Daniel's time and now, now just now beginning two times in history only. And they're both Daniel 10 moments, 21-day fast, crying out to the Lord, angels resisting demons, Michael involved, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. You know, you could just go on and on about that subject. But I thought this is remarkable. And I think we're also, if there's two names, it'd be a Daniel 10 hour of church of literally salvation history. But I also think we're in an Esther moment as well of history, where in Esther 4, most of you know the passage. Esther was called to come before the king with prayer and fasting for the rescue and deliverance of Israel. Esther 414. And right now, five million, maybe way more, I don't know, were coming before the king and fasting and prayer for the deliverance of Israel.
1: I go, this is a global Esther moment in history and a global Daniel 10. How did this happen? This is a historic moment because I've never seen the culmination for the now moment of these scriptures in context to what parallel prophecies, you know, first, second coming, so on. When you think about the first century historian, Josephus, Jewish historian, and he recognized before the destruction of Jerusalem And before Rome came and destroyed and scattered Israel, that at that moment, there was a lack of civility. There was infighting families against family. I see that in the context of even America, the battle for the soul of a nation. But I see it now, even with Israel, because it's when we're unstable and we're fighting each other, we're in the middle of this civil disputes and and political disputes and spiritual disputes. That's when the enemy gets us off balance, can come in. And that's why in this moment, different than even in the first century, the destruction of Jerusalem, when Jewish historian Josephus mentioned that, he said that there was civil unrest society became unstable and lawless there were seditions arose everywhere he said that even jews gathered together in bodies in order to rob the people of their own country uh, there was armed mobs ransacked towns looted storehouses pillaged uh, the countryside and, and families against families it's an uncanny similarity to today of what's yes. happening in our country but also in the context of israel and america but the difference is now is that we have an opportunity for millions of Gentiles to pray that this would be averted, that would be that would not happen, that would be diverted, and that the prince of the air of Persia would be exposed, other things would be exposed, and that God would do an intervention at a time. And in this 21 days, I think is going to be critical to do that. We're totally on the same page. I'll take
2: maybe three, four, five more minutes. And I'll tell you, because I think I got a little time to squeeze it in. And then we can have a discussion of how this fast came, came to be. Because people that have heard this, it gives them more confidence how sovereign this thing is. Because of all the human weakness, this was like a a series of stumbling and errors. Of, it wasn't great prophetic insight. It really was a stumbling. We fell into this. And because that's real, I go, what is going on? And his answer is for such a time as this, I did this. I told you in Isaiah, I would stir up intercessors. I sovereignly am moving. This is way bigger than any of you guys down there. So I'm going to give the story real quick and then we'll have some comments. And Brandon, I want to hear from you, man. This is my buddies right there. I'm staring. You're right under me on, on the screen and I get the big smile. I love it. He's my friend. Anyway, uh, <laughs> 40 years ago, just a minute on this, 40 years ago, when I was 27 years old, I had a young adult church. I'm 67 now. I was 27 then. We had about a 500-member young adult church, and the Lord, in some really clear way, called us as a church to go on a 21-day fast, and we prayed some hours every day, and for 21 days in May 1983. Okay, great. Uh, In that 21 days, about five or six supernatural things happened. I'm not going to go into them, but for 40 years, I have told people May 83, those five or six supernatural things, blah, 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 blah. Everyone in my world knows the May 83 story, almost heard it too many times. So I pastored that church for 16 years, then resigned, then 24 years of IHOP. So the 16 and 24, that's 40. I have told the May 83 story so many times. I'll just tell you one thing he said then. It was so bizarre to us. He spoke audibly. He said, you'll have 24-hour prayer with singers and musicians one day. I didn't have any interest in that. I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. But because it was an audible voice of the Lord communication, you get like one of those in your life, maybe two at the most. We put a sign on the wall. So for many years in that 16-year period, as the church grew, the people would come and go, what's that? I go 24 hour with singers and musicians. I go, I don't know. I have no idea what that is. And the Lord also said that in that day, when that happens, you'll see a hundred million Gentiles pray for Israel. That was stupid to me when I, when the prophetic people were saying that, but the Lord confirmed it, but I said, that can't be, there's no internet. You, I mean, the Super Bowl only had 10 million people. <laughs> I mean, a hundred million, what? That made no sense at all. So 40 years later, I've told the story so many times. So in January this year, that's the point I'm getting at. We're at a leadership meeting. And uh, one of my leaders said, hey, it's January. You know, in May, it's going to be the 40-year mark. Why don't we do the 21-year fast again? I go, I don't want to do that. Are you kidding? Because the May 83, 21-day fast, yeah, five or six supernatural things happen. Those happen in a five-minute window the 21 days was boring. It was horrible. I go, no, I'm not going to do that. And he goes, yeah, just to celebrate. I go, who celebrates a 40-day, I mean, a 40 years anniversary of a fast? You don't celebrate a fast. You have a party if we're going to celebrate. Anyway, my leadership team rose, I mean, not rose up, that sounds bad, but they said, Mike, no, listen, it's God. Let's do it again. And it was, it was kind of funny because when they say let's, most of IHOP is under 40. They were not even alive yet. I go, let's do it again. I go, if you knew how boring it was, I don't think you'd be that excited. But anyway, I caved in, but I want you to know I resisted it. I I said, okay, okay. I mean, how can I complain? My leadership team wants to go on a fast. Okay. I mean, that's good. I'm going, brother. Okay. So three weeks go by. Now it's February. We're in the leadership meeting and I said, and I call it my uh, Balaam's donkey moment. I've got a few of those in my life where you say a prophet, some prophetic utterance that you didn't even know. It's like Balaam's donkey prophesied, spoke to Balaam. And I, I said this sentence. I go, this is now February. I go, well, since we agreed in January, we're going to do this 21 day fast in May. Let's do all 24 hours a day for Israel. We've never done anything like that. And, and as soon as I said it, I thought, whoa, 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 wait, wait, no, that could really be boring. No, 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 I don't want to do that. And a couple of guys on my team said, no, that's God. I go, no, number one, I can't sell that vision to the 600 staff. I mean, we pray for Israel like once a day, but 24 hours a day? Are you kidding me? I said, no, that's not an easy sell. I, I'm not going to do that. But they prevailed again. So, so far I got two strikes. I didn't want to do the fast and I didn't want to do the Israel thing, though it blurted out of my mouth before I thought, I've done a few of those in my life. Not all of them turned out good, but anyway, so I said, okay, okay, we'll do it. My goodness. And because we have 24 uh, seven means 84, two hour per meetings a week. That's what 24 seven means. And so we've got our staff broken in different shifts, night shifts, morning shifts, evening shifts, All you know, just like a 24 hour hospital. And I thought, I don't think I can convince IHOP to do 84 two-hour prayer meetings three weeks in a row. That's 252 prayer meetings in a row for Israel. We don't even know what to say, actually. I mean, we can say for an hour, but that's it. But anyway, my team said, no, no, Mike, that was the Lord. So I went, oh, my goodness. The next thing. And then I'm almost done with the story. Now it's another three or four weeks. It's March, first week of March. Some international leaders come and visit us and they're saying, hey, we heard a, a rumor. You guys are going to have a 21 day fast in May. It's, it's March now. And I go, yeah, on yeah, a couple months. And you're going to pray for Israel 24 hours a day. That's amazing. I go, that's not that amazing. Have you ever done it? I, th- I don't think that's going to be amazing. But here's what the leader said. Why don't you call your friends across the nations to join you? Here's my strike three. I go, no. <laughs> I go, how presumptuous. I go, to tell them we're in a 40-year commemoration of a 21-day fast, so therefore they ought to do it? I go, are you kidding me? I go, if my good friends across the sea said, hey, Mike, 40 years ago we had a fast. We're celebrating it. You want to join us? I'd say, no. I mean, I just I told him that. I, I wouldn't do it. I'm just being honest. And the guy pressed me, a couple of them. And I made a secret statement, which I won't tell it, not because it's private. I don't want to take the time to tell it. I said, Lord, if these two things happen, like a fleece, and you are spiritual leaders, fleeces are in the Bible, but you you don't use a fleece more than once or twice in your life. Because if you ask God for a fleece and he answers it, you're bound to that direction the rest of your life. And that's how I read a fleece. Fleeces are not jokes. You don't get a fleece to buy a car or a house. It's something far more serious. I said, Lord, and I understand that I've taught that to young people. I go, don't, I mean, they're biblical, but they're extremely rare, but you're bound if God answers you. So don't play with fleeces. And I know that real clear. So I said, Lord, if these two things happen, and I was pretty sure they wouldn't, so I felt pretty good about it. The next day, 24 hours later, they happened. And I went, oh my goodness, because the God knows that I know that God knows they were not going to happen and they did. So I said, I'm going to bind. Because I fear the Lord enough to where it happened. Oh, my goodness. This is now a Saturday. I got to call my leaders and tell them this. So now it's Monday morning, 8 o'clock in the morning. Again, we have 600 staff. 100 of them are leaders. You know, they're worship leaders or over departments or something like that. I send this to all of them. I said, hey, 2 o'clock meeting today, email. If you're doing something, try to cancel it if you can. Very urgent. I've never sent an email like that. In 40 years of my ministry here in Kansas City, never. They went, what? Cancel? Urgent? So they were buzzing, a lot of curiosity, okay? So they they come to the meeting at two o'clock, really little curious, little anxious. I get up, I go, okay, we're all there. I said, you know, in January, we agreed to do a 21-day fast in May, right? You know, in February, we agreed to do 24 hours a day. We're not that excited about it, but we're gonna give it a shot. Because we're just as weak and broken in our humanity as everybody else is. I go, and two days ago, some leaders urged me to invite my friends to join around the world. They go, okay, what's this urgent meeting about? So what? Invite your friends. I go, well, here's the urgent thing. If this is really God, this May thing, then it's way more important than the May 83 that I've talked about for 40 years. This will be by far the most important three weeks of my ministry. And whether you know it or not, it'll be the most important three weeks of your ministry if it's really real. And here's how I'm going to tell if it's real. Now their eyes are big and they're listening. A hundred of them are leaning forward go, what is this guy doing? I'm a little nervous, just so you know. And I go, okay, if it's real, I'm not inviting my friends if you don't think it's real. They go, okay, we think it's real. I go, okay, good. Here's, here, here, here's the litmus test. I'm asking IHOP. We got about 50 departments in the whole ministry of the 600 staff. I want to shut down almost every department. They go, that, that's strange. I go, why? Well, you work 50 hours a week. You're going to be free of your responsibility. I want the majority of our leadership team in the, in the prayer room 12 hours a day for 20, 21 days. Mm-hmm. Now, is this God or not God? If it's not God, we're ending it here. They stared at me. I couldn't believe I said it, to be honest. But they were kind of shocked because we've never done that. It ends up that out of 600 staff, 300 said, we'll do it. And I even talked about it a little bit. I go, you know, it's a cool announcement. It won't be that great. Just so you know, you've never done this. Everyone at IHOP is here two hours a day in the prayer room. Here's the prayer room. Right, it's right behind me. Or they're here four hours a day. No one is here 12 hours a day. No one. I go 21 straight days. Are you in or you're not in? And they said yes. Like if that's true, I got I I now have courage to call others. So some guy taped that uh leadership meeting. We don't tape leadership meetings, we just talk openly. Nobody tapes a leadership meeting. The guy put it on YouTube without telling me that night. I didn't even know it. Ten days later, some young people, our young people came to me and said, because they do the YouTube stuff a lot, and they came and said, 50,000 people have seen that 40 minute staff, that boring staff meeting you had 50,000 people. Heard, I go, what? That's not true. They bring me the evidence. And why on earth would 50,000 people look at that? A 40 minute, a boring staff meeting. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it was boring. There was no eye candy at all. It was just me up there. Just doing. you know, it was like, gee whiz. And I said, and 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 under that 50,000 would be about 300,000 believers under them that would lean into this. And so at the 10-day mark, I go, you know what? This is March 17th. I go, this is no longer an IHOP thing. Somehow we got ambushed. This is not about us. We're one of the hubs now. And now four weeks after that, because that was, uh, you know, um, six weeks later, it went from 300,000 to, again, I'm just saying 5 million. I don't really know the number, but the numbers are so, we're one of several thousand hubs. And I said, no, we're going to start a website, Isaiah 62, just as a directory for people to put their own uh, information so people can find them all around the world so they can enhance the conversation. And so uh, I'm doing, uh, last thing I'll say here, I'm doing a, uh, a a TV uh, interview. I've done quite a few of them because a lot of the Christian TV stations are really excited by this, which makes me happy. But I'm interviewing one guy and he goes, uh, he goes, he starts off because he doesn't know the story. He goes, this amazing development, Mike Bickle saw in the spirit that Israel would be in a crisis in May. And he called a million people. It's remarkable. Mike, how did you know there was going to be a crisis? And I go, I didn't. He goes, "Well, well, I don't understand. I go, I didn't know there was going to be a crisis. He goes, why'd you call the fast? I go, I didn't mean to. He goes, what? I go, I stumbled into it. Why'd you pray for Israel? I kind of didn't want to do that either. the guy goes, folks, I'm really sorry. This this interview is really getting off the track. I go, it was an accident. Trust me. Nobody engineered this. Nobody gets credit for this. This is a God-breathed accident in the human arena. But the Lord says, Isaiah 62, 6, I sovereignly promise you i will establish intercessors and they'll never stop praying until my son appears in the sky and makes jerusalem an earth uh, i mean a praise of the earth
1: amen there you go doug wow that divine distraction or that providential movement where god used what seemed to be an accident really was god's providence and as you were speaking i was thinking about psalm 110 verse 2 and 3 where he says that he will raise up a generation, an army of volunteers and talking about the young included, the young army of volunteers for the day of his power of visitation. And wow. this is that moment. I think that we can enter into this very uh, synergistic gathering of praying with focus, with specificity through scripture that all of us, regardless of our eschatology and regardless of our denominational backgrounds can cross our racial Denominational generational lines at the cross of Christ to do what God's commanded to pray for Jerusalem and pray for Israel. What a great scripture. uh, I've loved that scripture for years and it's given a whole new meaning and revelation to me in why God's calling that now. And so thank you, Mike. And is there any final thoughts you have? In fact, yeah,
2: I'm I'm going to give one final thought as a pastoral encouragement. So people are going to pray for an hour, two or three people, five people in a room, or more or less, whatever they're thinking an hour, five of us in a room, like, do we have to hold hands the whole time and like verbalize prayers? I don't know what I'm going to say for an hour. And I said, no, don't think of it that way. I said, there's going to be hundreds of ministries that will have an hour of live worship every day or two hours of live worship, all these different languages. There's always going to be a few in these languages. I go find those, get on your phone with your group of five people. Go on the internet, the the, uh, web stream, and hear that live worship, and listen to the worship with them, and they'll pray, and you pray, and you don't have to fill every minute, the five of you, with different terminology. Just worship the Lord and go with them, and that's still prayer, because worship is prayer. And they go, "Oh, well, I could do that. I can't picture sitting in a room for for an hour, every day, for twenty one days with the same five people and praying, and we fill the hour with words like that would be so burdensome. I go, I think that would be really hard. And there will be hundreds of prayer guides on these different links. I don't mean hundreds on every link. But hundreds of these links will have prayer guides. There's so much good teaching on these links. There'll be a couple thousand links so or hubs, whatever you want to call. And I'm sure, Doug, that you've got a number of your own ministry that can put prayer guides together. And you've got people in your own ministry that will lead worship for an hour. You guys all plug in together and do it together and then invite your friends to join in with you.
1: And I think that uh, the Lord's going to breathe on this in a dynamic way. Absolutely. In fact, I would encourage people and we can send you these links also. Derek Prince has some really specific scriptures and he quotes from his booklet, Our Debt to Israel. So you can go to Derek Prince website or to their Facebook page and pull some of them as well. Hey,
2: and Doug, why don't you on your link, put some of that information on it. So everyone that hits you will see that information. Like I'll get my people to go to you and get that information.
1: Okay, great. Well, This has been uh, very exciting. So it's going to start May 7th, but it's interesting to me how it is culminating on Pentecost. So I think for the Gentiles, for Christians, that we see this is how it is a dual prophetic act, because not only are we praying in order to pray for Israel, Isaiah 62, fast and fasting, we're also praying that God, would you do again an outpouring of your presence in such a way we've never seen before from Jerusalem? And to the rest of us. So, what a great opportunity for us to join in intercession, prayer. You know, Leonard Ravenhill used to tell me that God doesn't answer prayer, He answers desperate prayer. And I believe that when we get out of our shallow platitudes and religious incantations, we begin to desperately pray together at a time like this that knee posture, fasting together. There's something of a corporate anointing that is released, there's a corporate attack on the name of the Lord. There's a corporate attack on his church that we see satanic things arising, but this is where the corporate response is from a knee posture that gives us the authority and power from heaven as we focus together in corporate unity, praying to the Lord, seeking God, worshiping God with a focus. Could it be that God will pour out an outpouring of his presence that we haven't seen in 2000 years? This could be that moment. But nice. it's going to have to be us joining together in agreement out of desperate, passionate prayer and intercession before. The- I love it. Hey, I'd like
2: Brandon just to say one word. Brandon, what do you think over there?
0: Thank you, Doug, for inviting me. Um, first of all, uh, Mike, he knew that, uh, first of all, I love Israel and I, and second of all, I love you. So uh, he was he was gracious to invite me. I am uh, just flabbergasted with the prophetic significance of these uh, 21 days. Um, I was in Israel November the 8th. Uh, Unbeknownst to me, it was the night that there was scheduled to be a blood moon, uh, that sighting in the earth. Uh, And it was the elections in America was happening. And the elections in Israel had just happened. And so I awakened at two in the morning, uh, right down the road from the wailing wall. And, uh, and I began walking to the wailing wall, knowing that I, I could not sleep uh, during the night where there was a blood moon sighting due to hit in the earth. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what is this? Why am I here, first of all, in Israel? on a blood moon sighting, second of all, during the election in America, during the election in Israel. And when I got to the Wailing Wall, uh, I heard the Spirit of the Lord say that the elections that are happening in America and, and Israel are significant, and that there is a crisis that's coming out of these elections that will that will precipitate a gathering of prayer for Israel. Uh, and uh and so uh, I've been holding this in my spirit since November, and I wrote it in the book that I wrote that you uh did the forward Mike, uh about of uh, the uh the coming um the coming of the Lord and how to prepare for what's coming. And I'm just overwhelmed with how this lines up with what God has uh, been revealing to me since last November about praying for Israel, the crisis coming to Israel out of these elections. As you know, Netanyahu was uh, uh, elected, but he had to get a coalition government that basically, uh, if he wasn't able to get them uh, together, uh, they would have to have another election. And so he's been acquiescing to the, uh, to the right. And while the right is uh, twisting his arm concerning uh, uh, their demands, the left is actually also uh, protesting and it's this big civil war brewing in Israel concerning uh, uh, what's next in Israel. And it's all come out of these elections that happened uh, November, during a blood moon in Israel.
1: Brandon, what is the name of that book that uh, Mike endorsed for you? Uh, it's called The Antioch Mandate, uh, How to Transition
0: the Present Christian Culture Out of the Pandemic of 2020 to Reach the Generation of the Lord Lord's Return.
1: I had the pleasure of reading through some of that, your consistency. Some people talk about prayer, some people pray. Some people talk about worshiping the living God. Some people worship. Everything we do, we cannot do by good works alone. We need the manifest presence of God. We need the presence of God. It's, transformations will never happen without the manifest presence of God. So we need to get back to that place of seeking his face, seeking his heart, seeking his presence. And we will see what seems impossible to man out of human impossibility. God can turn things around if God's people will get back in proper order before him. You know, recently I took a major fall. My face and my head hit the concrete, had some fractures just recently. Actually, it was on Easter Sunday afternoon. Thank God the Lord healed me before I got to the surgeon. They said, it doesn't look like you'll need surgery. It can grow back on its own. So the swelling has been going down. But here's what happened. Out of a fall, they found something else in my thorax dealing with my heart. And of course, I always believe in prophetic drama, because we see in the Old Testament that the prophets of old, and I'm not comparing myself with the Old Testament prophets or, or early church apostles. What I'm saying is every difficulty in one of their lives became a context of a larger message. And I believe the Lord is speaking to us as they found this thing possible, sending a aortic aneurysm, but would have never been found if, they, if I hadn't fallen down and broke my face. But I believe the Lord is allowing some shakings in his church to expose the hidden things of the heart so that we can get back where we need to be and God can intervene on our behalf. And I love what 2 Chronicles 5 says, when the priests came out of the holy place, they came out not according to division. There's something about getting in the presence of a holy, holy, holy God that equalizes us in his presence. All the things that we think can divide us This dealt with in His presence. And when we come out of that presence, we're undivided, become one sound, one voice of worship and declaration that the glory of God can come. And that's what we have to be. And sometimes revival will come by choice and other times by circumstances. It's important for us at this time as we have a choice to join in in Isaiah 62 fast. Mike, tell us again the date it begins. This Sunday, May 7th. We only picked
2: the days because it was the same days 40 years ago. We didn't even... No, we would have
1: never picked May. It was only because of 40 years ago. And it culminates, and it didn't pick it for that reason. It's culminating on Pentecost. So this nope, is a moment that we don't want to miss the moment. We don't make altars to the past, but we look at the past landmarks along the way, bring it to the context of where we are, so we have direction for the future. This is a moment that we need to enter into together Mike, would you pray for all those who will be, yes. even beyond the fast, listening to this podcast and, and to our videos, pray for leaders to be bold enough to not be silent, but to really become those that God's called them to be. Pray for us, good, pray for all those who will be joining in on the Isaiah 62 fast.
2: Yes, and, and I want to encourage one very short thing that somebody may not find out about this till May 20th, till it's over, still jump in the last few days. Because it's not really a twenty-one day thing. That's the catalytic moment. This is for ten years. We're not. This is a beginning. So if you don't hear it till the middle of it, still jump in and, and be a part of it. So Father, I ask you for Zechariah twelve ten, the Spirit of grace and supplication, to inspire hearts and minds, to illumine understanding and tenderize and embolden hearts by the Spirit of grace and supplication. I ask you. Release that upon this entire network and everyone that hears it. And I ask for you for the light of your countenance to shine upon these that are saying yes and touch their children and their grandchildren and cause there to be a a spirit of living understanding touching their children and God and their grandchildren. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen.
1: amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.